Hi, my name is Sydney Mitchell. Hi, I'm Matthew Brickman, Florida Supreme Court mediator. Welcome to the Mediate This podcast, where we discuss everything mediation and conflict resolution. So what this is showing now, every every dollar on alimony reduces child support. So remember when the child support was at twenty five hundred? With the alimony now, now child support is reduced to 582. Now, it does not matter anymore. It used to matter because people were like, well, I would rather have more child support. That's free. I don't want to pay taxes on the on the alimony. And of course, whoever's paying it is going, I want to jack that number up as high as possible because it's a tax deduction. Mm-hmm. And so, so looking at this scenario of generally what the courts are doing to get to that 60-40 split – well, that means that and, and this is this is if 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 she can show that, you know, that she needs the 19.5. So 19.5 would be the number plus then the 582. So that gives her a total of twenty thousand dollars. Now, if we go back to look at what that what that bill did. So remember, this is more of an appropriate number. This is this this is what we are because we don't have a calculator. But if we go back and look at the calculator, though, the calculator had it somewhere between twenty four and thirty two. Mm. Just figure out it's actually about twenty. The calculator's not right, but the calculator also um, is not law. And the judges have discretion. And again, the judges, based on discretion, can deviate between they and they generally move somewhere between that 35 and 45 percent number. So in mediation, when we if if we can get past need and ability and if we can, you know, if we can get through all the factors, well, then fine. You know, we're running a number. Now. Let's talk about. Lifetime. Let's say that it's lifetime. So let's let's go to your second scenario where they're 20 and now they're 40, not 20 and 30, right? Right. So let's say that we did figure this out. Um, we'd have to run a couple of different scenarios in mediation because we'd have to, let's just say that it's lifetime alimony, right? So it's 19.5. Well, we would have to say, okay, 19.5 is alimony um, and then um, child support then is um the 582 right but then when the it, you know the, when the child emancipates the alimony is going to go up so we'd have to run another scenario and say okay now there's no child then what does the alimony go up to so we'd have to run some scenarios or whatnot now you had mentioned like maybe you know the mom gets the home you know, could that be, you know, well, can she afford the home? I had one recently where the mother wanted the home with the child, but the only way she could afford the home was with the alimony. And they're going, we're not giving you an, a marital asset that you can't afford on your own because without the home, she didn't need the alimony. She'd go get another home and she'd be fine. But to run that particular home, she'd need alimony. And the attorney was like, we're not giving you an asset in equitable distribution that you can't afford to keep without then demanding alimony from my client. They're like, no. Because if they sold the home, guess what? Now they're on equal footing. Go get your own home. And for what, a, for, you know, for go rent a place or go get a, a lesser home. Like you don't need a big, you know, five, six bedroom home, four bathrooms when it's you and two children, right? Okay. So, 
So then, so then, you know what? Her need would be lessened. You know, on her financial affidavit, she's putting the mortgage for an asset that she can't afford without the alimony. In that scenario, and in which you recently had, and let's just plug our numbers into that scenario, forty one million. And let's say the attorneys, their response is exactly the same. We're not giving you an asset you can't afford without the alimony. They sell the home, correct? Correct. Where do the proceeds go? They get them 50-50. Why why would someone get 50% of something they didn't pay for? Because the law simply says that anything you acquire from the day that you sign your marriage certificate into the day that you file for divorce, it's 50-50, doesn't matter. Because here's the other thing. When you're married, you can't buy a piece of property on your own. It would say, a married man, Matthew Brickman. It it can't be that I'm just going to go buy a piece of property by myself. No, it's a married man, which means, uh, well, then where's your wife? Because it's 50-50. Now, I did have one recently where the title company did all kinds of screwy stuff, and somehow they refinanced the home inside the marriage. It stated that the husband was a married man and the wife was not even on the deed. Forget about that. I mean, fine, she's not on the note, but not even on the deed. And of course, she's, you know, he's going, she's not entitled to it. And they're going, look, just because a title company screwed up does not mean that she's surrendering her 50% marital interest in that piece of property. Okay, so yeah, so essentially anything you do within that marriage, I mean, you just have to know you'll be on the hook, potentially on the hook for it at the end. Yeah, Uh, unless, and let's go to what you were asking, premarital or post or or prenuptial or postnuptial agreement, right? Right. So questions on that. Okay, let's just keep the same scenario. Okay. Million. Uh, let's marry from 20 to 40 years. Let's do, let's exceed that. So this is a long-term marriage. Yeah. yeah. Let's just say it's long-term. Okay. Husband, let's switch it around. Wife makes 1 million, husband makes 40K. And that's not an odd scenario because ever since about 06, 07, when we had that housing crash and people lost their jobs, so many guys got laid off and they became stay-at-home dads. And the wives were like, uh, what are we doing for like who's working? And so he's like, wow, you know, I was making 300000 I'm not taking this job for a hundred. And it's like some money is better than no money. And so she went out and got the job. He stayed home. Now they're getting divorced and she's going, I'm paying him alimony and child support i'm like yes you are (laughs) you know but yeah okay so say we can reverse it yeah let's reverse it so the wife makes 1 million husband makes 40k exactly uh yeah let's say it was covid or whatever other financial crisis the wife is she's sophisticated okay she understands what may be at risk here she goes uh, to an attorney to draw up a prenup. Yep. And her goal is to eliminate a, an imbalanced divorce settlement. Oh, so she wants more of what you're describing. Do it, right. do it, do it pro rata. Like if I'm going to contribute this, then this is what I get and you're only getting this. Okay, so you call that pro rata. Yeah, pro rata. Okay, let uh, 
can you percentage give? of financial responsibility or it would be percentage of contribution is really what you're even looking at like right 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 yeah. she, if uh let, let's say she was even making a million before she was netting a million before she got married yeah. so she her net worth is two three million yeah there's a lot to lose yes knowing, she, knowing knowing that half the planes fall out of the sky yes yes so she goes into this marriage, she gets a prenup, and she says to the attorney, and now my question is going to be to ask, what are the limits to, to how powerful and bulletproof a prenup can be? Can she, can she say, draw up a prenup in which, at the end, he doesn't get anything I earned, whether before or after, only what I choose to give to him? So, so a pre- Rio, think of it like this. A prenup is simply a contract. Okay. And you can contract to do anything you want. Mm, okay. As long as the two people agree to the terms, you can agree to anything. Now, here's here's the thing. And you agree to something against the statute of the law and the state in which you're agreeing? Sure. You can. Look, we do that we do that all the time in mediation. We create things and and you know, I tell people in mediation all the time, you are free to agree to do just about anything you want as long as there's not a law that says that what you want to contract to is illegal. So, oh. and you can ignore the law. Um, for example, I've seen a prenup that even talked about children and said, in the event that we get divorced, we will do 50-50 timesharing, even though 50-50 timesharing is not in the statute. But in their in their contract, they say, if we have kids and if we get divorced, we're going to do 50-50. Okay, fine. And so, yeah, it's simply a contract to the terms. Now, how ironclad is it, right? In, in when, when doing a prenup, you've got to follow the rules of contract law. Not so much family law. Because we're not following family. Like you you can contract to do anything. So you've got to file or I mean you have to follow the laws of contract law. So for example, you cannot sign a contract that you were coerced into, you're under duress. So, you know, you know, I'm sure there's movies out there, and I, I'm sure I've seen stuff where it's like you know, the day of the wedding, they are scrambling to sign a prenuptial agreement, right? Mm-hmm. It would never happen. Right. Yeah. Like, because, because, and, and, and look, why would it not happen? Because whose ever idea it was to create it and protect it is not going to be so stupid to create a situation where the other person has a legal loophole to get out of it. They're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not going to be like, okay, sign this right now so we can walk down the aisle. No, they're not. Because they can easily say, okay, well, let's look at when when was the sign? What was the date? Let's talk to the notary. Yeah, I was at the church. This was right before they walked down the aisle. Oh, my gosh. That has coercion, duress written all over it to the lesser, you know, whoever's not, not going to be receiving so much. So you wouldn't do it. Most, most prenups are done months prior because, you know, and and here's the other thing. I don't know any attorneys that will, um, 
that will not uh, do a prenup with full financial disclosure. So it's very similar to like what we have to do in a divorce. In a divorce, you have to do full financial disclosure when we fill out a financial affidavit. You know, what is your income? What are your expenses? What are, you know, what are all your assets? Where, you know, what's, 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 what's your retirement? So like under this scenario, you know, there's this wife who makes a million, has maybe two, three million in the bank. She would have to produce all of her 401ks, pensions, retirements, all of her bank accounts, credit card, like full financial disclosure. Usually a, an ironclad financial affidavit or a prenuptial agreement has a financial affidavit attached to it. And there's a way that says both parties have exchanged documents, had time to review documents, made full financial disclosure, because you're not contracting to something like this in the dark. You know what you're getting into. You know. And if, and now I have seen, um, once or twice where there was no financial disclosure done with the prenup. There's not even a waiver of financial uh, disclosure. And I believe the law says that there has to be. So they were challenging the validity of it, claiming coercion, duress. They were claiming fraud because there was not full financial affidavits um, or full financial disclosure and and uh, corresponding affidavits. And you know what? It's up to that judge whether they want to look at that and be like, what? It's like, yeah, I'm going to set this thing aside. Or they could say, we're going to set you know, this term aside. Maybe it doesn't undo the entire agreement. But usually these things are done prior. Also, one attorney can't like, Let's say, for example, the wife wants this done. So her attorney is going to draft this and the husband doesn't have an attorney. And so the wife's attorney is sort of kind of just going to help both of them through it. No, <laughs> like no, <laughs> because that seems a little shady, like coercion, duress, sneaky, like you can't dual represent somebody, you know, um, and you know, and if the husband doesn't want to have counsel, there would be full, there should be full waivers in there that, you know, the wife was represented by Rio Rocket and, you know, you know, the husband was self-represented and chose not to have counsel review this, but, you know, wife's counsel uh, reviewed this, husband reviewed this, had time to have, I mean, like, even in my mediation agreements, I have a waiver when the people are not represented, because, you know, I mean, I'm now up to about 20% of my business. There's no attorneys involved. There's a full waiver that says that they had time. They were encouraged by me to have an attorney look it over. They waive the right to have an attorney look it over. They, they're satisfied with the terms of the agreement. They're not going to seek any uh, more additional discovery. But with a prenup, you really want to follow all the rules to make sure that it's ironclad. Um, and so it's, you know, not every family attorney does prenups. In fact, in fact, most of them that I know don't, and I've worked with over 675, they don't do prenups. They're like, I'm not getting into that. Um, but a lot of them also are not totally immersed into contract law as well. You know, they understand it, but it's not really their thing. And so they don't want to get into all those little nitpicky words. Um, just like we were talking about the alimony statute that says, you know, the court may 
not shall. So shall is a command. May is, well, possibly. It's up to the discretion of the court. Every word we saw years ago, Hillary Clinton, you know, with 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 Bill Clinton, you know, well, let's define the word is. <laughs> like the million dollar question, right? Or million dollar word is. Um, yeah. in, in a prenuptial, and we'll use the same example, in a prenuptial, if this particular uh, woman let's say she was open to alimony. She, you know, there was nothing in a prenuptial that said, I won't pay alimony. She's, yeah. she's alimony, but never, never did she think lifetime, you know, that just wasn't the thought swirling around in her head. And so, you know, 20 years, they get a divorce. It's, it's whether, whether she's thinking about it or not, counsel is. And so, yeah. So, it's hit with that lifetime alimony, not, not even thinking like, Oh, maybe I should have protected myself against the lifetime version of what I was. Okay. In which that aspect of it is not okay with her. This Florida alimony reform bill passes. Okay. That does not end her lifetime payment. Depends what she contracts. It actually depends what they contract to. I mean, look, I've seen, I've seen, um, I've seen uh, prenuptial agreements. I've seen postnuptial agreements. We'll talk about the difference between those two in a second. But I've seen both of those in a mediation um, of a short-term marriage or even a long-term marriage, where there's a percentage. It's like if we're married X amount of years, well, then you're entitled to this. If you're, if we're married until this many years, it'll be bumped up to this. If we're married until this many, but all of those were capped at an amount and a duration. Okay. I mean, even if it's, if we're married for 50 years, now usually it's longer than, and they usually follow the statute. If we're married longer than 17 years, because that's what it is. So that's a great place to just put a, put a pin in it. If we're married longer than 17 years, well, then this is the most that you will get. And this is the longest that I will pay it. Look, it's a contract. They can contract to do anything. You and I were talking, you and I were talking the other day when we were talking conceptually about this, about, well, what about these people with the alimony reform, you know, behind the alimony reform bill that are just fuming about these lifetime, like, I've got this noose around my neck I can never get out of, right? Right. And I had told you, I said, you know, I was, I've, you know, I'm a, I, I don't like alimony. I think it is, uh, I think it's just another entitlement program. Um, and I think that everybody should work. And I think that we're created for relationships and alimony kills both of those things. So I was, I was never a proponent of it. Um, when I got divorced, I never wanted it, nor did I ever want to pay it. Um, and we were at seven years or just under seven in Rio. It sort of kind of was a little bit of my, thinking behind it was, okay, I'm about to cross over from short term. Now, neither of us really had two nickels to rub together at the time. Um, and I gave her everything and walked away. Um, so if I'm giving her everything and walking away, what do you need? No need. Um, and definitely no ability, right? Occasionally, Sydney and I will be releasing Q&A bonus episodes where we will answer your questions and give you a personal shout out. 
If you have a comment or question regarding anything that we discuss, email us at info at iChatMediation.com. That's info at iChat, I-C-H-A-T, Mediation.com. And stay tuned to hear your shout out and have your question answered here on the show. For more information about my services or to schedule your mediation with me, either in person or using my iChat Mediation virtual platform built by Cisco Communications, visit me online at imediating.com. Call me at 561-262-9121, toll free at 877-822-1479, or email me at mbrickman at iChatMediation.com.